Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? You are well, I pray. I always pray that. How was your weekend? I pray it was good. Um, And uh, those of you on our email list have just recently in the past week received two emails from us. Um, If you are not on our email list, you're welcome to be. Uh, So we send out maybe two, three at the very most emails a year. It's just that in the past week we sent out two, um, and the last one um, uh, from the message of Robert Kennedy, the son, um, on summing up the entire COVID and totalitarian plan. Um, It's quite informative. Um, if you haven't gotten it, you're welcome to go to our uh, our homepage, uh, motherofisraelshope.org, and um, click on newsletters, and you will see it there. Um, well, no, it's not on a newsletter. I don't know if it's there. Actually, it should be on our homepage. And if not, send us an email, and we'll get it to you. Um, uh, the time is amazing right now, and every moment we have... We need to spend um, preparing, teaching one another and especially our children the faith and who we are and whose we are. They must have a sense of identity, not simply um, religion, but they they, they need to own that religion. They need to know they are God's people and that nothing will touch them that God doesn't allow, even martyrdom, he may allow it, but they are God's people. Um, I read an article yesterday, um, one of the New York hospitals, the um, vaccine was mandated for all healthcare, all nurses, all medical staff, and the entire nursing staff walked out of the hospital. Maybe if that happened in the government and everywhere else, um, it would have an impact if we weren't simply dummies that went along with um, a, a, uh, an evil, the evil dictates of a so-called president. We don't have to obey that. We don't have to obey someone who is spouting evil, who has no right to the things he is telling us to do, um, he is he's acting like a dictator, but we are not his subjects. This is a democracy. He took an oath when he went to office, and we don't have to obey any of his dictates at all. So if we walk out on the job, um, that's quite a scene. And if it weren't for the fact that all the nurses walked out and there's a hospital full of women about to give birth... Um, that's a very difficult scene, but uh, the government needs to uh, have a taste of what it's doing. So um, if the schools, if the universities who required 
um, the vaccine in order to come back, if every student walked out, um, which is what I wish would happen, um, I think there might be another response from the government. We're not puppets. We're not dummies. We're not the government's servants. The government was put together um, for the people, of the people, by the people, uh, to serve us, not for we, to serve them. To serve us, to protect our moral laws, to protect um, families. Um, It's doing the very opposite. It's destroying those that it was set up to govern and protect. So um, I think at this point... um, We need to teach our families. We need to pull them at any cost out of public schools, at any cost, no matter what. You need to learn how to work from home, how to homeschool your children. There is so much uh, information on homeschooling, so much. And go to our website a couple of newsletters back. I don't remember. It was last fall we did a newsletter on homeschooling with um, the top Catholic homeschool um, organizations according to homeschooling moms and lots of resources. There are homeschooling co-ops, all kinds of things, but at any cost, pull your children out of the public school or you will ruin them. Um, They're already being ruined by society. You are given the vocation by God to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And if you fail that um, for any amount of money or um, self-pleasure or self-accomplishment, all of that, you will be accountable before God. You will not be able to blame the schools because you are putting them there. You must get them out of public school. And while you're at it, check the Catholic school or the so-called Catholic or Christian school you're sending them to to make sure it's a true, true Catholic school. Otherwise, you will ruin them again. And when they are old enough, they'll leave, and um, they'll leave the faith because they thought they had it, and they never did. You must live the faith at home. Pray the rosary every day with your family. If you say, but I can't take my child out of school, Uh, I have to keep my job, I don't know what I'm going to do, I tell you, I would pull my child out of an evil government system and lose my job and learn how to grow food, how to cook, how to live on rice and beans, uh, because we're going to be doing that soon anyway. I think uh, you won't be able to have the life you have now. Um, you might as well start to practice. Um, we have... Um, 25-pound bags of rice and beans. We're planning and water. We're planning what we need to live. If there's no electricity, we're finding out how to live without it. I think it's coming upon us. So, um, what we'll do here, dear ones, is continue um, Canon Francis Ripley's book, and I, I... I recommend it to you for your family. We had been going through the Catechism Explained, the Catechism of Trent Explained uh, by Reverend Sparago. It's it's probably the most outstanding book 
on the faith you can get. Uh, the Catechism of Trent with commentary. It's outstanding. But if we're teaching whole families, I think the, the book we're in now, this is the faith written, I think, in the 1950s. I'd have to check that. It's the whole faith, and it's done in a simpler matter with illustrations, and I think it's fantastic. So chapter one um, was uh, about God. Chapter one is about God. Chapter two is titled, What is Man? What is man? And it begins by asking the questions that the catechism, uh, the Baltimore catechism asks, why did God make you? And the answer is God made me. Now, to know him, to love him, and to serve him in this world, and to be happy with him forever in the next. Now, if you ask your children, what is man? Don't allow them to say, or, or rather, why did God make you? Don't allow them to say to know him, to love him, to serve him, and so forth. Don't allow them to say that. Let them instruct them to answer in full sentences. Full sentences. So that they give the question in the answer. It's very important. It'll be an education for them. Why did God make you? God made me to know him, to love him, and to serve him in this world, and to be happy with him forever in the next, forever. And you can talk about it. This world is temporary. And at the moment, the prince of this world, who is Satan, is looking to destroy us. So we're not with God forever. To whose image and likeness did God make you? What's the answer? His own image and likeness? Nope. God made me too, his own image and likeness. To whose image and likeness did God make you? God made me in his own, to his own image and likeness. Is this likeness to God in your body or in your soul? Which is it? Someone just said in your soul. No. This likeness to God is chiefly in my soul. If you said in my soul, of course you're correct. But you're not going to learn the faith, and you're not going to truly teach it to your children if they don't incorporate the question with the answer. Is this likeness to God in your body or in your soul? This likeness to God is chiefly in my soul. How is your soul like to God? My soul is like to God because it is spirit and is immortal. What do you mean when you say that your soul is immortal? When I say that my soul is immortal, I mean that my soul can never die. What's another way of saying that? When I say that my soul is immortal, I mean that my soul will live forever. It can never die. Something that can never die will live forever. The question of our whole lives, beloved, is where we will live, in heaven with God or in hell without Him for all eternity. There's the music for our first break, beloved. You're welcome to call in um, with anything on your heart. Um, we'll take your questions, emails, text at the second break. And our toll-free number is 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back.
Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. The Station of the Cross appreciates the generosity of our supporters. We are committed to keeping our donors' accounts up to date. If there have been changes made to your payment information, please call us so that we can update your account. 1-877-888-6279, extension 104. Or update your information online at thestationofthecross.com. Thank you for your generous support of Catholic Radio. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails. And stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is at a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live, and we are right in the middle of part two of This is the Faith by Canon Francis Ripley, and we are beginning today. Uh, we covered uh, last week about God and now about man. What is man? Um, and we just asked, what do you mean um, when you say that your soul is immortal? And when I say that my soul is immortal... I mean that my soul can never die. Of which must you take most care? Of your body or your soul? What's the answer? I know you're going to say your soul because you think it's right. And the answer is I must take most care of my soul. Not just the word my soul. I must take most care of my soul. For Christ has said, What doth it profit a man if he gain the whole world? and suffer the loss of his own soul. So now I ask you a question, and parents ask your children this. Why why must we take... um, um, This is my question, not, um, um, not the author's question. Why must we take most care of our soul rather than the body? And of course, the body will die. The soul is immortal. It will live forget forever. So ask yourself first, 
do I take more care of my body or my soul? 24 hours in a day that you spend dressing and eating and cleaning and shopping and working and caring for children and family and husband and wife and everything. How much time do you spend taking care of your soul? How much time do your children spend taking care of their soul from three years old up? How much time? Ask them. We need to take a lot of time taking care of our soul. Not 15 minutes, not a classroom for an hour, but all day, all day. We must be in an attitude of prayer all day. We must ask God before we do anything, Lord, is this pleasing to you? We must represent God to others, to our spouse, to our children, to our parents. We need to take care of our soul because it will live forever. We need to feed our soul with the sacraments and with scriptures. God's love letter to us is the Bible. Do you read it every day? Well, I only read a page every day. Well, good for you. That is good. Read a page every day. Spend a little time thanking God for what you've learned from that one page. And frequent the sacraments. If you can get to a church for five minutes each day, just adoring God in the blessed sacrament, even though he's not exposed, he's there. And he waits for us to come and go and stop by on your way home from shopping or way to work or whatever it is. Make a special trip, five minutes. I heard a story years ago. I've told it a few times. Um, I, I, I believe it was true, but I, I can't say how accurate it is now. It's been so long. But there's a fellow, and this is, again, I heard it as a true story um, years ago when I was in California that there was a gentleman named Johnny, and he stopped every single day of his life. On the way home, he stopped at church. He sat in the back pew, and he he said every single day, Hi, God, it's Johnny. And he would pay a five-minute visit every single day of his life. And when he was dying, he was in the hospital, and he heard, I think, a voice over the loudspeaker. I think the whole hospital heard it. Hi, Johnny, it's God. It gives me chills every time I tell that story. I have to look it up. I've always said it's true, but it's been so long, I don't know. But that's why I was told it, because it was true. Everyone heard it. Hi, Johnny, it's God. We need to spend time with God in prayer and taking care of our souls. If we say we have no time, it's because... Time is a gift from God. He's given us what we need. I've wished there were 100-hour days too, but I'd still not get everything done. I know that. Time is a gift from God, and if we don't have time for God, that we're, then we are abusing the time he has given us. We are not using it well. Is there any likeness to the blessed Trinity in your soul? That takes some thought. Is there any likeness to the blessed trinity in your soul? What's the answer? You can say yes or no, but that's not the proper answer. There is this likeness to the blessed trinity in my soul. 
that is, in one God there are three persons. So in my one soul there are three powers. There are three persons. Yes, God lives within me. The Trinity lives within me. The triune God, the God who is three in one, one person, three persons, rather, in one God. Which are the three powers of your soul? The three powers of my soul are my memory, my understanding, and my will. So yes, there is this likeness to the Blessed Trinity in my soul that as in one God there are three persons, so in my one soul there are three powers. It's a likeness to the Blessed Trinity in my soul. Which are the three powers of your soul? The three powers of my soul are my memory, my understanding, and my will. Man is a creature of God. He has a body and a soul, the latter made to God's image and likeness. In that is a spirit. All right, the latter, that is the soul, made to God's image and likeness. In that it is a spirit, is immortal, and is endowed with intelligence and free will. Soul is not just another word for spirit. Animals have souls, but their souls are not spirits. Only man's soul is a spirit. In man is the only kind of soul that is also a spirit. Soul is defined as the principle of life in a living body. Angels, therefore, are not souls. They do not animate a body. But animals have souls, which, however, are material and not immortal. The human soul is defined as the ultimate internal principle which animates our bodies and by which we feel, think, and will. Think of a body without a soul. Think of a glove by itself on your table. But when you put your hand in it, now the glove can be animated. The human soul is defined as the ultimate internal principle which animates our bodies and by which we feel, we think, and we will. A human person is a union of soul and body. Although the human soul is a spiritual substance, capable of existing by itself, as we know from Revelation, that it does so exist between physical death and resurrection of the body. When we die physically, um, our, our soul continues. We have a spiritual soul that does not die. It has a natural aptitude and even a need to exist in a body. In this life, the body cannot perform one single action independently of the soul, nor can the soul do anything independently of the body. Souls are not inherited, beloved. Each is a distinct creation of God and is united with the body at the time of conception. Let me repeat that. Souls are not inherited. Each is a distinction, or rather a distinct creation of God, and is united with the body at the time of conception. Man, and man alone, dear ones, has a spiritual soul. 
there is an obvious difference between a living human body and a corpse, right? Stick a pin in a corpse, it can't do anything. It's dead. That difference is the soul. The soul. So you take a man and he's alive, walking around, moving, and then he dies and he's, um, he doesn't move. He's just a body. And the soul has left him. It is the soul which prevents a living body from doing the only thing a corpse can do, and that's return to dust. There must be a principle of operation behind every activity. In man, there must be a principle which thinks and wills. That principle cannot be a mere chemical. Otherwise, doctors and scientists would be able to discover it. Yet it is something, a spiritual soul, which is beyond the reach of chemical analysis. No one has ever seen a soul, beloved. A material principle could not have spiritual operations. Man's soul has spiritual operations. Therefore, it cannot be only material. All day long we make statements which show that we have abstract or universal concepts. For example, the dog is a noble animal. Making such a statement, we do not think of a particular dog of definite shape, color, size, or breed, but we have taken, so to speak, the essence of dog and are thinking of a thing we cannot contact with our senses. The idea in our minds is a spiritual one. Similar to this, is our anticipation of the future, the consideration of possibilities, the logical deduction of conclusions from premises, the notion of spiritual being, and so on. Excuse me. John thinks. He can reflect on his thinking. He can apprehend himself the one who's reflecting, to be identical with the being who thinks. There is complete and perfect reflection of an agent back upon itself, a process quite impossible to matter. Matter can't think. A piano cannot play itself. An eye cannot see itself. Um, A knife cannot cut itself. I know some of this is beyond the understanding of, of some children, but you can, you can be affirmed in your understanding and begin to answer them and to teach them. There's the music for our second break, dear ones, and um, we will continue um, with this tomorrow, God willing, and when we come back from the break, we'll take your calls, your emails, your texts, and um, you are free to call in. Our lines are wide open with anything on your heart, toll free, one 511 5483 or email at
LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, Love in Truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. of the Cross thanks our financial supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. As a nonprofit lay organization not affiliated with your diocese, our apostolate is listener-supported. Through your generosity, we're able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Thank you for your continued support, and may God bless you and your family. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Morning Show. We're happy to be with you on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network each weekday morning at 7 a.m. We strive to keep you informed and inspired with insightful guests and a look at the news stories of the day that you need to know. Join us on the Catholic Drive Time Show every weekday morning at 7 a.m. on the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. That's on the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. God love you. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our half hour together. I love this half hour. I love your calls, your texts, your emails. And again, with anything on your heart, the heart of the matter is the matter of your heart. And so feel free to call in with anything at all. Toll-free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. When we left off, um, which was, um, my goodness, last Thursday, we needed to run an encore on Friday, um, we were in the middle of a, a bit of a lengthy email from Melissa, and I promised that I would take that email up uh, when we came back. So let me read it from the beginning. Melissa writes, Good morning, Mother. Hope you are doing well and in good spirits. Thank you, Melissa. Your talks are a light in the darkness. My question, she said, we have two innocent boys, ages eight and nine, whom we have shielded from gravely sinful, scandalous situations in our family and almost all sexuality exposure from the culture. About two years ago, we had to draw the line on contact with one of my brothers based on his life choices. <clears throat> I may comment, because it's such a long email, um, I began to comment, and I'll comment just a little bit through it, and then give a summary at the end. 
and Melissa says, here's the back story. We were all baptized Catholic, but not raised in the faith. Both of my brothers are divorced, not annulled. One of my brothers bought a house with his girlfriend about two years ago. They started dating before she was officially divorced, but I kept silent. I wish, Melissa, um, before I read the rest of your email, that you would not have kept silent. Um, it's not an act of love to ever keep silent uh, in the face of sin. They would go on vacations together. I stayed silent again. Uh, I wish you would not have been silent. They may have done it anyway, but at least they would have had your love, even if they rejected it, <clears throat> and they would have had truth. When we're afraid to tell people um, the truth, we, in a sense, don't give the Holy Spirit the the tools to convict someone. We can tell someone the truth, they can reject it, but then God can bring it to their mind and use it. God doesn't need us, but he uses us, and he's given us nothing to keep to ourselves. Um, Melissa continues, I was able to keep that from my son's both sons' eyes and ears, but after buying the house with her and living there with her and her children, I could no longer mind my business. We live in different states, so this is not in our face all the time, but we would have get-togethers and video calls. I felt as a sister and mother, I had no choice but to confront it. You're right. I just wish you had done it a lot sooner. Um... Uh, Melissa says, my husband and, and I did not see any other choice, and silence is not helping anyone. That's certainly correct. What would they say if or when they got married and we could not go? We had to address it. I called him to express our ground rules that he is welcome in our home, but we cannot have her and her children. You're, oh, let me just continue. I was going to say you're entitled to your ground rules. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's the difficult, difficulty is that you said nothing all along and all of a sudden um, you've started. It makes it more difficult. Um, we cannot talk about her and her kids in front of our kids. That means no video calls where she or the kids are participating or could accidentally reveal the adulterous living situation. I warned him that he is in grave danger, committing a multitude of serious sins and in front of our children. He has two special needs children also. I told him that he is confusing them, leading them astray, and deeply hurting them. His children see these women's this woman's kids get their dad. All his children see this woman's children get their dad all the time while they only see him on weekends. My heart breaks for them. They see him living in adultery, fornication, sacrilege of the Eucharist if he receives, bigotry if they do get married, possibly apostasy. Um, and you're saying this is what your brother's children see him doing, but they may not know any of this because your brother and his um, living girlfriend are not um, Catholic, so I don't know what they'll see or understand of this. Melissa says, I warned them that these things are not so bad, even evil. 
Oh no, I warned him that these things are so bad, even evil. This is not true happiness, and he knows better. Excuse me just a moment. Silence in the face of grave sin and scandal is not charity. So while my words may have been hard, it was the truth about the danger he is in and the harm he is doing to many. You're correct. Again, Melissa, um, it would have been a lot easier and clearer had you said something right from the beginning. However, our children will not be exposed to it. I encouraged him, her brother, not to look at the church's requirements as judgmental and mean, but to seek the annulment and confession to heal the wounds of his last marriage before he starts a new relationship. After that call, Melissa writes, after that call, I would never get responses to my texts or emails. A short while after the call, I sent invitations to my son's first Holy Communion, which was during the lockdowns, via a group email. Instead of simply not responding or replying that they cannot make it, both my brothers responded by attacking me. Melissa, again, I don't blame them because the invitation should never have gone to your brothers because you will not allow them to bring their live-in girlfriends or um, children in, in that situation. You will not allow to bring what is their family um, uh, to your son's first Holy Communion. They're not going to go without their spouses. Uh, you had already had that conversation. The email should not have gone to them. I know it's a group email, but I think if you ever want to win them, you need to give them a greater respect um, in, in, or rather not uh, what is contradictory. Um, instead of simply not responding, I, I wouldn't have responded in their shoes or replying that they can't make it. Both my brothers responded by attacking me. They asked me why I, why I would invite them when I thought my brother was such a bad person and unfit to be in our children's presence. You see, they're either willfully ignorant or simply ignorant. And you need to explain to them it has nothing to do about goodness. It has to do about grave, grave sin. Um, and that was a complete misrepresentation of our boundary-setting rules. Of course it was. But... Um, but they may not be able to separate those things. And your boundary-setting rules becomes, can become cold and sterile to unbelievers because you can set those boundaries. There's no problem. But they need to know they're God's rules. They're God's boundaries and that your faith is in God. And Melissa says they are welcome individually but cannot bring the scandalous lifestyle around us. To make it more painful, they added my in-laws email addresses to their reply to humiliate me. See, I don't blame them, Melissa. I know not everyone will agree with me, but I don't blame them because they don't understand you. And you're talking about your rules they haven't yet truly been shown that they're God's um, standards for us. Uh, they may have a conscience that knows that since they were Catholic, but you said they weren't raised Catholic. 
and they may or may not know, but you're simply putting those rules before them. I don't, I don't, if it weren't for the, the, the grace of God filling their hearts and converting them, it, it was not a respectful way to deal with them if you truly want to win them over. Um, and Melissa says, my original email had not included my in-laws, so they had to manually put them in the email reply. I was so furious with them for doing this with my child's first Holy Communion, but we stayed calm. Again, I think it's your fault, Melissa. You should not have included them in that email if you did not intend to invite the whole family, which you do not, and you're right to not invite them, but you should not have issued them the, the invitation knowing that you would not allow them to bring the family. My husband replied instead of me. He said that if anyone felt hurt and wanted to clarify our family rules, then we need to set up a call. He twice asked them to call us. They never did. No, it's not their place to call you, and they don't have to um, be clarified about your family's rules. You see, it's love that changes people. You are welcome to your rules. You are welcome to not invite them, not just welcome, you are right. But if you don't do it in a loving, respectful way, a loving way would be to get a hold of them personally or by a personal email and say, I want you to know I sent an email to the family inviting them to our son's Holy Communion. And I would love you to come to your brothers, but I didn't include you in the email because I didn't want to stab, put a knife in you knowing that your family would not be invited. So I'm doing this personally with you. Um, you see, if, if you don't, that's harsh, but it's tough love. That's fine. You don't have to compromise a single standard. But as long as you keep describing it as your family rules, and not treating them in a respectful way um, and saying that they need needed to call you. Uh, there's, there's a, I, I just say, Melissa, your faith is good, your standards are right, but I think they would see it as complete arrogance in your manner of handling this. Melissa says, how do I explain to my kids that I confronted poor examples of right living between men and women, and as a result, they probably won't ever see their uncles again. Um, I would never explain that to your children, that I confronted poor examples of right living between men and women, and as a result, they probably won't ever see their uncles again. My goodness, they are innocent, so this just breaks open doors. We have diligently guarded. I just want to say the right thing, so my children understand how serious right living is, but also not burden them with the details. Thank you for taking the time to consider this. God bless Melissa. Melissa, if you raise your family and communicate to the rest of your own family, if you raise your children uh, and communicate to the rest of your own siblings and parents your rules that they have to, they'll see it, they have to bow down to you. Uh, who are you? They're not going to do it. You're cutting yourself off from your own family. 
Um, I don't think it's the right way to do it, Melissa. I think you need to personally go to them. And I think you need to apologize for the way you've approached this and explain to them that you cannot have them together with your children in an adulterous situation outside of a proper marriage because you're raising children in the faith. They're not practicing the faith. It's their choice to live in sin, but you don't want to bring that into your family. You don't want your own children to see that. Tell them that it hurts you, it breaks your heart to break up the family in this way, but you're not breaking up the family. You're just living a Catholic life and the commandments that God has given, and it would break your heart to not be together again, but it, it's their choice of how they live. We'll be right back. Are you ready to take on the world of flesh and the devil with just the facts? This is Jesse Romero, host of Jesus 911, heard weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern. I'm joined each day by a variety of co-hosts like Ruben Avam, Paul Clay, Dan Schneider, and my amazing wife, Anita Romero. We tackle Catholic devotions, spiritual warfare, family life, saving America, and everything in between. Join us each weekday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific for Jesus 911. God bless you. Keep the faith. There's so much confusion in our world today over what love is. By displaying a Catholic radio bumper magnet on your car, you'll help others understand love as designed by God. Order your free bumper magnets at thestationofthecross.com. We'd be happy to send bumper magnets for your listening area so that others can come to know the Lord. That's thestationofthecross.com. Thank you for sharing Catholic radio on the road. We stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture, or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian, slowly leading to its own demise. LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal. They need to fight the most crucial battles of our day. And we need your help to continue that mission. You can support LifeSite News by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support LifeSite is to prayerfully consider becoming a Sustained Life monthly donor to help us continue to save lives in the culture. To donate, visit give.lifesitenews.com forward slash sustain life. Our staff of over 40 and millions of future generations, thank you for helping to save the culture. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. Um, we just concluded an email from Melissa with a very, very difficult situation. Um, and um, Melissa, your choices are right, but the, it's the way you're handling it that is going to um, bring tremendous devastation. 
And the last paragraph, you say, how do I explain to my kids that I confronted poor examples of right living between men and women, and as a result, they probably won't ever see their uncles again? That'd be an awful message to give them. If you don't give them specifics, or if you just say poor examples of right living between men and women, you're living, you're giving them an enormous amount of material for their imaginations to go to work with. You don't want to do that. Um, and you mean we won't see my uncle again because there's a poor example of right living? I, I don't know how that would put together, um, how that would come together in their minds. We help people when we're in sin. We help people when they're not living in the right way. Again, you're right to separate yourself, but it's how you do it. Um, if you say that I just want to say the right thing so my children understand how serious right living is, um, but also not burden them with the details, if you leave it wide open like that, uh, it's going to be worse. If you say that, you, you so your uncles had a poor example of right living and that means I have I can't even see my uncle again. It just makes no sense. You're, you want them to understand how serious right living is. Again, you're right, but in the wrong approach. What you want them to understand is how important it is for us to love God, to honor Him, to obey Him in our lives. And if we do that, of course, we'll be living in the right way. But love is always the issue. How important it is that we love God, that we don't offend him, and that we give an example of being his people, that we are witnesses of his love. See, there's no, I don't see any love in any of this. Even if it's tough love, you're not practicing tough love when you... Um, speak about it as your own rules. That's tough love, but God is not a part of that. They'll see religion as rigidity, as your rules, um, as distortion, and if they live a life, even though they're in sin, of love between one another, they're going to prefer their lifestyle to yours. They need to see a heart of love. They need to hear a heart of love. They need to hear hearts that are transformed by the love of God. Right living will never save them or draw them to God, but love will. Love for God, love for His commandments, speaking about God, speaking about not offending Him. Right living, just as far as they're concerned, sets up a wall. But if you say we love God, we're Catholic, we don't blame you for not living the faith, but God has enabled us to believe and to love and to live the faith. And we want to do that. And we must do that for our children. And it breaks our hearts to exclude you. But we want to give our children examples of um, what God has uh, demanded, actually, from us. To love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. And they can well say, well, so what are those? And you can begin to tell them, speaking the truth in love. Melissa, I can't say what I would do in your place because I'm not in your place. Your standards are fine, but they need to be expressed in love and as God's standards. 
And so, I again, I don't blame them for copying your the parents or godparents on this. Um, they just uh, see it as coldness on your part and shutting them out. I would go, I would make an appointment if I can, I would come together with them, with your husband, if you can, and the two of them, and sit down and say, would you listen to us? Can we make our case before you? We apologize because we believe we've handled this in the wrong way, but we want to help you. Uh, We need you to understand. Um, So would you give us the time? They will. If you've come humbly, they will. We have an email from Denise, and um, Denise writes, "Good morning, Mother Miriam. I'm a Catholic married. Mar- I'm a Catholic married woman and a fan of your podcast. Listening to your radio show relaxes and inspires my spirit. Thank you. Well, thank you, Denise. <coughs> Hold on. Denise writes, "I have a twofold question." The first part is regarding a toxic family member who is who has ill intent. My sister tries to sabotage me due to her jealousy. I genuinely need to know if it is acceptable to God if I keep all visits short and sweet and all conversations light. In other words, minimize contact to protect my marriage as she tries to pit people against each other dividing people so she can create and be in the middle of dramas, drawing attention to herself. And she has done this repeatedly with my husband and I. But of course, to forgive and love her in my heart, just keep a healthy distance. Well, in the first part of your question, Denise, um, you can keep visits short if they're not doing damage. If they do do damage, you need to explain to her that um, she has repeatedly pitted herself against you and your husband or you against your husband. I don't know what. And you you need to say to her, we, we can't we cannot handle this. Um, uh, it, it is destructive. And if you're not able to change your behavior or your heart, we need to ask you not to visit. I, I would do that. I would do that. I wouldn't put yourself in that pain for even a short visit. Um, Melissa writes, uh, rather Denise writes, the second part of my question is that this same sister, as well as the remaining nuclear family members, although supposedly Catholic, have nonetheless chosen to take the death jab and to believe all the mainstream media lies. They are harassing my husband and I, calling us maverick thinkers and conspiracy theorists. We have offered twice in the last six months to come visit them in Florida, and they refused to see us because we did not get the vaccination. We have offered a plethora of information, and I gave my mother a doctor's information who can get her ivermectin, but my mom only criticized me and said she read online that ivermectin is only good for rats, another lie by the mainstream media. What is a good Catholic married woman to do in both cases? Thank you so much in advance for your reply, Denise. I would just say a good Catholic woman has to explain to the family and everyone involved that you've heard them, you've had these arguments, 
and you respect what they they think and they need to respect what you think and never bring this up again period this the conversation is closed if you don't want us to visit you we accept it if if you don't want to visit us we accept it it's your choice we don't have to keep discussing it cut those conversations out if it means the niece that it separates you from them let it be you don't have to live you don't have to uh, invite or allow yourself to live in this terrible situation um they don't have to so don't let them continue to harass you Uh, don't let your family member with ill intent continue to visit you Put your foot down in both cases. If you can continue this, we need to not give you opportunity to do that. We need to separate. You need to do that, Denise. Um, God bless all of you. And um, these are hard times indeed. We'll speak with you tomorrow. God bless you.